0: Hey gang, before we get into the show, I wanted to share this really cool Kickstarter with you. Um, it's from the company Flight of Harmony. They have this module they're making called the Face Hugger, which is an eight-stage, all-analog, chainable, addressable, non-linear function generator. The facehugger can be an arpeggiator, CV sequencer, burst generator, envelope generator, LFO, and much more. They can also be connected in series for longer sequences and in parallel for making chords. Uh, Multiple expansion panels are also in development for even wider functionality. Here's the rub. The Kickstarter runs until April 22nd, and it is at 53% as of April 3rd. So I got the link in the show description Please head to the Kickstarter page and help this amazing looking module become a reality. Once again, that is The Face Hugger by Flight of Harmony. Link in the show description. Let's get into the show. This week's episode of Podular Modcast is brought to you by The Summit, Novation's flagship two part 16 voice polyphonic synthesizer. Summit's digital new Oxford Oscillators offer subtractive, FM, and wavetable synthesis, and feed into genuine analog dual filters, distortion, and VCAs. The multi-chameral engine enables merging and combining of two complete and independent patches, while up to 16 simultaneous voices deliver enough harmonic depth for even the richest pads. And you guessed it, this patch playing below my voice right now was made on Minervation Summit. If you want to learn more,
1: click the link in the show description.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and this week, we have M. Geddes Jingris on the show. I'm so excited. Maybe one of the most requested guests on the discord. We have a great chat We do talk a little bit about new metal, maybe a lot a bit about new metal So right after I'm done recording this I'm heading to the post office and I am going to be shipping out uh, Six different packages that I am passing on to patreon subscribers four of those have modules in them They all have hatch cables cassettes stickers blank panels Uh, and i want to try to uh, do these giveaways as often as possible so if you want to be privy uh, as to when those are going to happen and what i'm going to be passing on then head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast i really appreciate everybody who has supported me throughout the years. I would also like to say thank you to Afterlater Audio for their continued support of Podular Modcast. For more information about their modules, head over to afterlateraudio.com, link in the show description. And though I did mention it at the top of the show, I just want to do a quick reminder that the Flight of Harmony Kickstarter is uh, still going on, but it's getting very close to ending. So if you want to help make the Face Hugger become a reality, then once again, head to that show description, click the link, and support a cool company. So as you can see, I'm recording outside. I got bored, I wanted to shake things up. and also wanted to show off my new triangle that my dad gave Hannah and I. It doesn't sound very good, but it looks cool. I really like it. I'm also very excited because I'm headed to Palm Springs in a couple days with my best friend, his wife, and my wife, and my wife's best friend. And uh, I'm gonna go to Joshua Tree, I'm bringing the camera, bring in a little synth and I'm hoping I'll have a really cool uh, remote performance to share with you soon. Um, Speaking of sharing, I've been getting a lot of people sharing their music with me and the rest of the community on the PodMod Discord, and I have not been great about reminding people that that exists, so if you wanna come join the community and talk about all things modular and then a bunch of other really cool topics, the invite link is in my Instagram bio, and if you can't find it, you can shoot me an email or a a DM or something. Um, I think that's about all the business I have for you. Let's get into this episode. All right. So um, where to start? Because, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people and I find most of my guests, uh, you know, via Instagram, you know, just something pops up and I check some stuff out. And that sounds cool. Sure. Um, and I've seen your name on Instagram. I think we follow each other. You know, I, it's, it's nice to finally put a, a face to a name that pops up all the time, you know, in my feed. Mm-hmm. Um, I reached out because I, uh, well, one, I, I, I checked out your stuff and really liked it. And then I also asked my discord, like, Hey, who do we want to see on the show? And there were uh, a number of people who, who threw your hat in the ring. So I was like, well, that's very cool. I need to do that. So yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Um, I just, I didn't realize. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize that, um, that you had, uh, done some work with, uh, with greg fox he's been on the show before
2: oh Um, yeah yeah
0: so that's pretty cool yeah i've known
2: greg uh i've known greg a very long time um we actually went to college together or i mean i guess i had already dropped out at that point but
1: uh,
2: (laughs) i was living in and around the the bard college area when he showed up as a freshman and he played uh played drums in a band with a friend of mine and you know i'd see him around and then uh you know, as things are, I, I, left in 2005, I moved to LA and, uh, was, a um, friend of mine, Britt Brown, who runs the Not Not Fun label, had just, uh, uh, linked up with this group from Baltimore, Teeth Mountain, and they were touring with Dan Deacon. And he was uh-huh. like, hey, do you want to go to this show at the Troubadour? It's going to be weird, but Teeth Mountain are playing and they're cool. And, uh, yeah and this guy uh, was standing outside the venue he's like i think i know you from bar did you used to deliver pizza uh, that's actually what he asked yeah he asked me something more illicit than that but i did deliver pizza <laughs> and, uh, and cer- certainly to him um and uh, and yeah and then that was kind of it and then we we played together for the first time um uh, uh show that um britain powell put together um in new york and it was super fun and uh we're like hey why haven't we done this before we've known each other for like 20 years yeah um and so yeah we've we've been playing together it started as a duo and now we're doing it as a trio with this uh, amazing guitar player and singer gray mcmurray um and it's just i mean you know i i I won't speak for greg but i've i've heard him say it's one of the most fun projects he's involved with i certainly feel the same way like playing with those guys is an absolute blast we don't we've never rehearsed and we've never played not at a show so (laughs) that's that's kind of like the unofficial rule for the band although we want to make a record so we're gonna have to like you know record a show do that we don't really you know i mean we'll we'll sometimes talk before the show but then we don't do any of the stuff we talked about right (laughs) of
0: course yeah yeah um, but they're
2: both, I mean, they're both such natural improvisers. So it's like, I really, I feel like whatever happens can just happen. And yeah, I don't worry about, you know, is it going to be good?
0: Yeah. That video I saw on YouTube was pretty awesome. Uh, you had a nice, like, oh, cool. nice, nice grooves going. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh yeah. And then, um, uh, Sue Mountain, um, been a fan of that label for a while. So yeah, I actually need to oh, get yeah. them. I think I need to get those guys on here. Max and Doug, right? Run it? yeah 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 i mean
2: they're the they're the best um i love working with them like i mean really one of the best i mean yeah, the, the best label experience of my life just because they're they're uh they're so enthusiastic they do everything themselves you know mm-hmm. from the artwork to the promotion and it all works they have a great audience they're so sweet and just like down for whatever i want to do i mean i've made three you know records for them and I don't think they could be three more different records, like both mm-hmm. in, you know, sort of techniques used and the sounds and everything. And yeah. it's just always like, hell yeah, this is cool. We love it. You know?
0: Yeah. They're Chicago, right?
2: Yeah. 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 And i it's funny. I've never, I've never actually met Doug in person. Um, we were both at the Grateful Dead 50th anniversary shows in Chicago, like texting each other, trying to find each other in
1: the parking lot. But basically
2: impossible to do. And we were both tripping. So, you know, it was, that was not working out so well, but I did, I met Max at a, at trip metal fest slash movement in Detroit in like 2017, I want to say. And, okay. uh, and we just hit it off right away. And, you know, um, they're, they're great. And uh, Max is a dude that I, you know, text more off more days than i don't text and right, usually yeah. we're talking about video games not music but <laughs> we've definitely become pretty close you know yeah
0: right on right on well speaking of you know you said that you the they couldn't be the albums on that label couldn't have been uh you know more different or made in different techniques and gear um that is something that i've noticed um with just perusing your catalog and you, you know you have through your liner notes on on your releases it seems like you um you kind of get a, a, a set, um, like kind of like a, a a a little setup or instrument that you build for a particular project or something, and that that seems pretty cool. And I want to dive more into that aspect, but I'd like to just go just go back and and get to know you. So where where are you from? And um, yeah, let's start, let's just start there.
2: Yeah, I grew up in uh, the like central Connecticut. Um, okay. I'm 40, I'm 40, yeah, I'm 40, Uh, so, you know, um, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, in high school, I I wasn't really very into music as a kid, I I liked comic books, and I liked, you know, comedy, I liked cartoons, and Star Wars, and, you know, stuff (laughs) like that, but um, music, I, I you know, I would listen to music with my dad, who loved music, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, my own interest, really. Mm-hmm. until you know high school probably and getting into uh you know sort of like reintroducing myself to classic rock and like figuring out like oh this is black sabbath and this is led zeppelin but then also you know punk and hardcore were huge things for me and then kind of the 90s 80s and 90s you know independent rock and uh, just independent music in general um mm-hmm. were really where i started to like tune in and get obsessed, you
0: know? Right. Right. And that was yeah. when
2: music started to really feel like an identity,
0: you know? Okay. Yeah. I, I you kind of, that's, this is awesome. You kind of uh, started to answer my, my usual, my usual question um, as far as music oh, goes. I've listened before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so like, what is, what is the song band or like live show or whatever that, that switched you from, um, listener to uh you know wanting to be a participant
2: well there's a, there was a couple things I think um and that's a good question I like that um definitely like my first DIY shows were um I went to this like little tiny high school in Connecticut that was run by Quakers oh wow and um it was next door to the University of Hartford and uh, okay. in the University of Hartford, there was a little student center, coincidentally named the Jangris Student Center, because my, oh, my wow. grandmother had gone there and my grandfather gave some money to the school. And oh, so wow. the Janger Student Center. That's cool. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it existed. Oh. <laughs> Wait, until, so you show
0: up and you just see your last name on this, this building?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, you know, it's like, it's not like it was like a big sign. It's like, you go right. and it's like written on like, you know, on like yeah, the, yeah. <laughs>
0: like
2: <laughs> the, 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 the the sticker letters, you know? Uh (laughs) Yeah. It's a pretty,
0: uh, Um, uh, like I've never heard that last name. So like you must've been like, well, and the fact that you had grandparents in the area, did you automatically? Yeah. And
2: my father had gone there as well, actually. Like my dad didn't go to college until after I was born. And that was when he decided he wanted to be a teacher and he went to the University of Hartford. Um, so, so it was, you know, it was like, it had always been a place that was there, but I didn't, you know, Think that there would be punk shows there, but there were. Right. <laughs> and uh, um, I had a friend in my high school who I'm still close with. My friend Matt, um, who was sort of already, you know, as like a freshman sophomore, like tapped into the local hardcore scene. He was going to a lot of shows, and he'd put out like a comp tape, which I thought was so cool. It was like raising money for breast cancer research, and I just oh, I was cool. like, "How you're? Uh, we're children. Like, how are you? Yeah. like getting in touch with <laughs> bands and." And this is when I kind of learned about like DIY. And um, did he say so just ask? going to shows at that place. <laughs> I mean, it was sort of just like he was like, "Yeah, I went to shows, and then I, you know, I got their, you know, I got their mailing addresses, and you write them a letter." you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was definitely like going to shows there. You know, there was a stage, but it was about you know at uh-huh. eight inches off the ground, maybe, and then you know they're like frying mozzarella sticks like three feet away, and um, and it just. Yeah, I had been to a couple bigger shows before, but seeing a band in that kind of environment was definitely the first time I had the thought like, Oh, this is something that like normal people can do. Like you don't have to be the guy in corn, you know, <laughs> which is like, you know, I mean, which is like that's my previous concert experiences where, right, you know, right. I went to well- the, I love that. And it's that's like interrupt. so far away. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I I, uh, well, when you mentioned,
0: you mentioned you're 40, I'm going to be 39 day after tomorrow. So I imagine we have a lot oh, of overlap yeah, and, and uh, thank you. And metal and unfortunately new metal and you metal. Uh, that was like, that was my shit in elementary school and, and high school. And then uh, luckily I of discovered course. punk rock to, to pull me away from that. But um, what were you, who are some of your like, metal bands before before this uh this experience this is such a, a pointless segue but i just have to add.
2: no no it's fine I, I mean it's also it's like definitely not the first time i've talked about this which i love because i feel like a lot of people are like embarrassed to talk about lame things that they were yeah
0: into. i dude i was until just like recently i'm like you know at a certain point yeah. you're just like well i was a kid can you, are you gonna like make fun of me for what i liked when i was 12 you know yeah
2: like, and before and i mean you know i think people people today don't appreciate how difficult it was to find out about things in a pre-internet oh, era
0: oh totally like, yeah yeah especially
2: if you grew up in the suburbs and it was just oh, sort man. Of like not around my
0: graduating I one class was who made 84 me... i was a small town you know i had nothing dude like,
2: mine was nothing. mine was 28 so, oh wow know? okay oh holy shit <laughs> but I had two I had two friends one that I went to high school with and then one that I had gone to elementary school with They went to a different high school and you know they would make me tapes and this is mm-hmm. like how I learned about everything from like totally. black flag to like the velvet underground to suicide to you know pavement or it was all kind of just like being put on me at the same time but yeah before that I mean I had I had a brief dalliance with the new metal thing I was you know, I was like a skate – I was, I was, I I wouldn't say I was a skateboarder because I, I didn't ride it that much, but I carried around a skateboard for a few years. Oh, yeah.
0: And, Skater uh, was like a group, <laughs> even if you didn't skate. Yeah. You, like we all wore independent right. sweatshirts and DC shoes and shit yeah. like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was a lot of like listening to the modern rock radio station. So it was things like, yeah, I mean, Corn and Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine, um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Nine Inch Nails I liked, like, uh, you know um, – but like you know, sublime and it was you oh, know yes. it's just sublime like it, was, what, it was the only music that you heard totally. that was oriented towards you as a young person.
0: Right, right, absolutely. And,
2: and then there was that moment where like I heard like Black Flag for the first time, and it was because you know like my friend and I thought that the Rollins band was really funny when we saw them on Beavis and Butthead, mm-hmm. and then my friend was like, "Oh wait, but he was in this other band," and so you know I got I got in my head was the first Black Flag album I got. And it blew my mind. I mean, it's just because it was so weird and gnarly
0: and ugly and yeah, uh, Milo kind goes of to college. Me out. Yeah, yeah. Descendants. Sure. Milo goes to college and <laughs> Misfits Collection. Uh, one were the two that was they that was like the the seeds being planted to kind of start pulling me away from like the the radio rock. But I, I'm also curious. Right. Like, is there anything from that era? I mean, of course, I, I still like a lot of like the 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 punk stuff that i got into that's like timeless like i mean i've got the fucking milo tattoo i'm uh, uh, it's yeah. <laughs> not like i listen to it all the time but i still really like it um
2: it formed you you know <laughs> yeah, totally absolutely and yeah. like
0: yeah when yeah. i hear that album it's just like if yeah it, it just automatically like i want to go skateboarding or, or you know i want to do something physical so i should probably listen to that album more often because I'm feeling it, you know, <laughs> um,
2: it's true. Like, I love that stuff Like for a workout. That's a it's Oh a great yeah. Vibe.
0: Um, it, now I, I'm, we, we can leave this subject in a moment, but I'm just, I'm always so, uh, I, I get a little, I get excited to talk to, to like-minded people, you know, like we're both in, in this kind of same scene, but you know, who are into the kind of this, this music, like, do you think any of that, like, does any of that like new metal or, or, uh, you know late 90s early 20s 2000s does any of that um hold up in your opinion is there any of that that you still like could listen to non-nostalgically
2: i mean non-nostalgically is it's 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 kind of hard to even answer yeah yeah right right (laughs) but but no look i would say like look could i sit down and even like just listen to a chord album no i don't think i could I, right. I could listen to Deftones. I, I ride hard for Deftones, but they're I was so they're fucking American fishing for that band, you know, I was
0: so <laughs> fishing for that because I think it's unfortunate timing for the Deftones because I think like, yeah. that band's awesome. Like, yeah, sure. I, 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 I genuinely think they're a great band and I actually listened to system of a downs first album uh, the other day. Cause I, mm-hmm. I heard an interview with, with Serge on it. And, um, that album like has some fucking bangers on it too. And I'm like, Oh shit. If they, if they would have stopped here at this album, like they, that would have probably, I think they would have aged as like a cool, a cooler band, but then they started making, you know, they're like kind of more, you know, not as heavy stuff, but. um,
2: Yeah. They were like, I feel like they're the band that like that was like the moment right when I got off, like they were the next thing that happened okay. where I was like, uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. But like, I'm also like, maybe not here
0: anymore. <laughs> you know? Man. I remember the moment, like I started, like there, there is an actual moment that I started feeling like I was drifting out. So I, I was at, uh, uh, the Tacoma dome, which is just now right down the road from where I live. And it was the pledge of allegiance tour, which had a way different meaning. I think pre nine sure. eleven and George W and stuff. Yeah. Um, But uh, it was it was Mudvayne, system and Slipknot, and uh, I was in the I was in the pit, which I usually didn't do. I usually like to watch the shows um, because I always wanted to see what they were playing and what kind of gear they were using. Like I was into it then. But um, I was in the pit, going across. You know, I had the momentum of the crowd pushing me, and this this girl, you know, was coming from the opposite way the same momentum and we just clocked heads and all i remember seeing as i like did a 180 and disappeared in the crowd and fell was her doing the same thing and then it like i tried to like look and see i couldn't find her so i went and sat down and i'm sitting there like at the back in the like this bleacher section and slipknot starts and they had these on each side of the screen or each side of the stage these giant sixes three of them six 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 like light up signs that were like (laughs) as tall as people and the chorus of their song was if you're 555 then i'm 666 and i was like this is so fucking stupid and yeah, I feel like that was the moment I started sorry, that was such I'm like I invited you here no, to no. learn about you and I'm talking about like fucking slipknot. I did not expect
2: that. I mean I think we have we all have those <laughs> moments. We definitely we have those moments. Like I mean I have a I, I have a very similar moment like when I stopped going to hardcore shows, you know, because mm-hmm. it was just like I remember going to see Converge in Connecticut and I got punched in the back of the head twice and a chunk of hair ripped out of my head. They had to stop the show like five times cause people were fighting. And I, and I was just like, this isn't fun. I'm yeah. too old for this. Like, I just don't, you know, um, Not that you're ever too old to be a punk, but like, I was just like, this particular environment is not where I want to be anymore. And I just really would like to watch this band from like a balcony somewhere. Right, right. But there isn't one. So I'm going to (laughs) leave. I feel like hardcore or a certain
0: vein of hardcore started kind of trending in like, like a almost like Joe Rogan y kind of like direction. Um, well, I mean, that, that was
2: that was definitely like always there. Like there was always like that that sort of jockey element, and especially like in the Northeast. I mean, I think it's very different on right. the coast. Yeah, like the Northeast. Yeah. You know, I was close to Albany. I was close to Boston. These are like the you know New York City, which are like the capitals of like tough guy hardcore.
0: Yeah, is that like hate like I, hate breed from around there? Or? Yeah, yeah, hate
2: breed uh, stuff like that. And yeah. I, you know, I mean, I loved I. I it's funny. I was terrified of that stuff back then. I would only go see like the bands with like weird haircuts and like skinny jeans. Like, you know, it was like, you know, I mean, we called it emo and screamo, but that, that means a very different thing. 20 something years later. But Mm -hmm. like, I was, I was terrified of those bands and now I I love those bands and there's something so fascinating about them to me. And I, I do like a little Instagram where I just like post like videos from like hardcore shows just for fun Mm-hmm. And I, I do so much of that like tough guy jock stuff. And I feel like it's because now I'm safely removed. Like I'm not looking to see if somebody's going to come punch
1: right, me. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <So> yeah.
2: <laughs> there's the element of safety and I can kind of just enjoy it for like the theatricality. And also like you watch it now and you're like, oh my God, they're babies. Look at all those babies. They're right, right. Children, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, like the big white t-shirts. Like Totally.
0: Know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, okay. I, I swear we're going to move on, dear listener. But I, 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 I'm having too much fun with this. Um, well, so you know, on being on the West Coast. Um, you know, like the the epitaph and the the Fat Records thing was like super huge for for me and my crew right. of friends. And, it you know, it's really funny. Well, this I mean, just too, like, yeah.
2: But...
0: Yeah. So like a little, just this is a little sidebar. It's funny. Like, uh, there's a. My wife, uh, she grew up in a town pretty close to me and, and has friends from high school who are all awesome and I've become good friends with them. But um, they still like, they go to like the punk rock bowling. They like travel to like Nevada. And it's just, they've been listening to like Strung Out and No Effects and Bad Religion like since then and just never kind of, like, I will, yeah, if it's on or some sometimes I'll get a, a weird hair, but it's weirds me out that, not weirds me out. It's just, I find it strange that, Somebody can still listen to like just the exact same shit for oh the so same long. thing
2: forever
0: and like that kind of music yeah is just like they I mean I I mean this is in the best way possible because I I still love No Effects but you know every No Effects song is a No Effects song. you know like they kind of all do almost the same thing um but it's a cool thing anyways that's a whole yeah. other tangent but <laughs> one of these friends he was at the he was like dude uh. We're 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 five minutes away from your house at this little bar, um, and Good Riddance is playing here. And I was like, ah. "What the fuck is Good Riddance doing playing in Tacoma?" It turns out one of the guys in the band is friends with the owner of this bar, so my wife and I go over to this show. And then it's in a room that's twice the size as my room, which is just standard bedroom size, you know. And again, you know, like you mentioned earlier, stage is this high, and it's all just people our age and older like the whole room became oh, yeah. a pit and and at first my wife and I were like oh I don't know if I want to do this but then we just like went with the experience and my wife even went in the mosh pit and stuff and and it was so fun I felt like that kind of same that like same
2: well everyone there has got know? bad knees and a bad back you know so I'm like, <laughs> you know they're gonna like they're like they're, they're being a, a little, little careful like, <laughs> yeah yeah they're not quite crowd killing with the same enthusiasm yeah I mean, <laughs> I've, you know, uh, alongside playing music, I've done, you know, studio recording stuff and and live sound for years. Um, And I was working a show. God, I can't remember the name of the band. It was one of those like classic, like New York, like pointy Mohawk.
0: Oh, like the Casualties or something.
2: it was so the either. casualties. It was, was it? <laughs> the fucking casualties. It was the literal casualties. And I mean, so for and this is you know in like 2016 or something. So I'm like, well, the casualties are still alive. Like, that's right? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and and they were they were so bitchy. Like they were throwing a fit because they didn't have uh, Gray Goose in the backstage. Which is oh like, my God. I was like, this is. But then you know, at one point, they're playing this song, and the audience is like literally just like the worst behaved crowd I've ever worked with in my life. Like, we yeah. did shows for you know, like Migos and Riff Raff there where like everybody there is like a blacked out 13 year old. And like <laughs> those shows were much better behaved than the than the Casualty Show. But at one point they're playing the in the guitar players, the wireless system keeps cutting out. It's like, it was just pure clown energy. I
0: can't believe a band like song. them were using a wireless system. That blows my oh, mind. Yeah.
2: they were playing this song and it was the chorus was punk forever forever punk we're not going to change and i'm like do you understand like what a cell phone that is like yeah
0: yeah totally totally you're like i will not grow as a person yeah yeah Yeah. i never kind of i never went into kind of that crust punk like area you know um, oh, I,
2: I dabbled. I definitely I dabbled in Krusty. I was in some like fairly kind of crusty political hardcore bands, you know, like it, yeah. that was, yeah, that was because I, I always liked the like, I mean, part of what really appealed to me about punk was just like the radicalism and like mm-hmm. I was already politically radical. So like to find that there was this subculture where right. like, it was like, you know, you listen to a crass record, but then you like read the lyrics and you, you fold out the poster. Totally. And, It's just kind of like the total package, like it was righteous and it was angry, but it was also poetic. It was beautiful. It was, you know, all these different things.
0: That was no effects for me. That's, that was what kind of, you (laughs) know, coming from a very, very, you know, Washington state, I think from the outside is viewed as like the emerald, you know, the, the green, you know, forest of, of liberals, but that's kind of just seattle and that's even like changing the sliver of the coast
2: and then yeah 20 miles east and you're like hell (laughs) yeah so where i grew
0: up like i was just like thinking about this the other day and in high school like because i was a skater and metal and i was in a metal band and and you know like it's all white people at my school a couple like maybe a couple like half mexican kids but like it's white as Mm -hmm. fuck. um like if you, I, I didn't allow myself to like, like bands that had like female vocalists or hip hop or rap. Like I had to mm-hmm. listen to that stuff secretly or else I'd get made fun of. And I remember having like the Wu-Tang forever. And I know everybody's all about 36 chambers, but forever is, is my personal. I, mean, I, I, got, I got
2: forever. Like I got that. Like the day it came out. That was, yeah, that was a huge, I mean, it's it's probably not my favorite now, but like it's right. when it came out, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I, I today can't, I, I could see favorite. where they could trim the fat a little bit. Totally, you know? I mean, the double little...
0: disc nature, yeah. But there's um, it's like uh, uh there's there's two songs, reunited, and um, there's another one that's like two tracks later that I I still think are like yeah, two of my favorite hip hop tracks. But yeah, it's just so weird, like. Why did I start this tangent? But I, yeah, it's just like it's so sad. I wish, like, I wish I could go back in time and be like, "Listen, dude, like, none of that shit matters." And also, here's Pavement. Listen to Pavement. Don't listen yeah. to Weezer. They're just gonna break your heart. Just start getting into Malkmus right now. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's chill. He's not
2: gonna do anything weird. Don't worry. Right,
0: he's not gonna start making the worst fucking music. Like I'm sorry, anybody out there who still likes Weezer. I know it's I know it's like easy, they're an easy target, and but god damn, well, they. I mean, they're they an easy just,
2: target for a reason. They suck, dude. Oh my <laughs> god, like...
0: they just got. How did they get so cheesy? It's just. Yeah, I mean, I think
2: it's just. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. People want to make money. You know, I think, I feel like that guy is, is constantly just trying to figure out like what is the song I could release that would make the most money, and it yeah, just, it doesn't really
0: work. Yeah, um, okay. We, uh, we have to move on from this. Thank you so much for giving so much of your time of this interview to just me being excited to talk about shit that people don't really come to Podular Modcast for, for talking about this, but there will be a handful no, of people sure out do. there our age <laughs> that are going to be like,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So well, I mean, it's like that stuff shapes you, you know, in a totally in way. It absolutely.
0: Does. Yeah. It's kind of like how your parents, like you, your parents are, are great teachers, regardless, in my opinion, because they either teach you good lessons on how to be or they just give you great examples of how you don't want to be and usually it's a little bit of a mixture between the two and i think that's you know you could say the same for for music and stuff but um definitely okay just a fire round i'm done sharing my stories but i just i have to hear from you (laughs) three more bands from that era not necessarily new metal but bands that you think actually are still good
2: I mean, I probably have to dig pretty deep into the obscure stuff because, to be honest, it's like not a lot of. I mean, I okay, I still like Rage Against the Machine.
1: Me too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Evil Empire is <laughs> like undeniable.
0: I love that album. Evil
2: Empire just—it's you know—it's uh, it just sounds great, and mm-hmm. the playing is great, and it just it you know it does not it has not aged in the way that a lot of that stuff has aged.
0: Totally. It just yeah. sounds
2: because it's just the sound of a band in a room, like it mm-hmm. you know it's like, if you told me like Albini engineered that, I would not be surprised. Cause it's like, there's lots of drum bleed. It's just big. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, But then, you know, I mean, there's definitely some of the like hardcore stuff that I was really into in high school. Um, Like, you know, that I still really love, you know, I love this band from Florida called Palatka. There's a great, great band in Connecticut called Drumstream Stream that, Nobody cared about when they were around. They would they would play like seven minute sets, and like oftentimes that would involve like a brace a bass string breaking. So like four of those minutes would be like restringing the bass. And then, holy shit, so that's the, hardcore. So when they went on tour, <laughs> when they went on tour, everybody hated them because they would play for like seven minutes and then stop. <laughs> um, and they were one of the best best live bands of that era um and that's like something i'll like listen to when i'm like on the exercise bike you know Uh to me their music sounds like like what the end of akira looks like it's like it's just like this kind of it's it's beyond hardcore it's this like huge massive sound they were a three-piece i never understood like how they sounded like that but the bass player is just strumming open chords and the, Mm the guitar i mean is so weird and like I don't know. Great band. They they got a lot more popular after the fact with kind of you know the kids of today who are mm-hmm. obsessed with all the bands that I liked.
0: I know, 20 <laughs> that's a, that's a weird feeling. Yeah.
2: I mean, it was yeah. a thing though. It was like you know all these bands that I would go see like Orchid and Page Ninety Nine that were just like sort of the bands that would tour to around. Now these bands are you know people like like you know. And, everybody hopefully lives to see the day where somebody's like, I can't believe you saw that band. And you get
1: to be like, right. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like you hear that something like that. And like, there's a, there's like this weird thing. That's just generation. It happens to everybody, but you want to be like, Oh, the kids like my music, but like, yeah, I was listening to Milo goes to college. That was released
2: two years before I was born. So, you know, I I was doing the same shit, you know? Um, I'm more likely to listen to the stuff I liked that was before my time like I'll still listen to black flag I'll listen to like void I love Born against like you know
1: mm-hmm. that's
2: those are some of my favorite bands and I'll just listen to that whenever you know but I I feel like that doesn't count because those were all bands that had been broken up on the time I was really yeah
0: yeah I wonder what that is. I think also because like we I I often joke but I think there's some seriousness in it it's like our formative years like what was available to us as far as like you know the big rock bands and stuff like it that's it, a lot of shit like you know you know starting it you know probably, yeah like starting 95 you know they they start you know like nordstrom has like the the alter or the the grunge collection and you know like every band is signing any any rock band that sounds somewhat like nirvana and yeah and then it just kind of snowballs but um there was a huge
2: glut. And I mean, it's cool because some people got record deals that definitely wouldn't have. And I think looking back now from where we're at in the music industry today, it's like hard to be like, that sucks because like people actually made money. Totally, you know? yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
2: think... But were, at the same time, yeah. There were like local I, just, I mean, I think, H, I think, think local
0: lo- H wasn't bad, but yeah. You know.
2: Sure. I think it's just, you know, it was that the stuff that was around when I was listening to the radio, I have some affection for, but it's... but. As soon as I got an inkling that there was something else, like it was kind of just like, forget this, because it never felt like it fit. It was just there. And again, like, I was like, this is the only thing I'm hearing that feels like it's aimed towards me.
1: Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. hearing
2: a Black Flag record, I was like, oh, no, this is way more how I feel than like a Corn record right yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) fuck corn man yeah that fucking life is like a record
2: that sucks dude like (laughs) totally totally (laughs) yeah
0: absolutely no totally yeah absolutely um so when so so did you start with synths or did you start with guitar or what like how does this how does this go
2: yeah so i mean actually i did start with synths um uh i uh you know, as I had mentioned, I, like, I wasn't really into music and then I was sort of getting into it. I had a friend, uh, my friend John, who I went to elementary school with, and he was making me tapes. And he had also gotten a guitar around this point and was starting to write songs. And he, you know, at first he didn't have an amp, so he would just put the, the handheld cassette recorder next to the electric guitar and like play it. <laughs> and, or he played me songs over the phone. Uh, he would also play uh, me like you'd be like I just got the CD and he'd play it for me over the phone. It would sound oh insane. Oh my god, that's you so know? funny. Like, that is
0: so fun, and that's kind of adorable as well. Like yeah, yeah. Let's it's, be real. It's that's, just the
2: classic. Yeah, like, it's just things you nobody would do now because there's no reason to. But um, <laughs> so he had a guitar. And he was writing songs, and I wanted to do something. Around this time, I you know I was I was starting to get into like, um. Can and Public Image Limited and Stereolab, which was a huge band for me. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And then
2: I went and saw Mm Stereolab and um, they were touring with Sonic Youth. I got the poster right over there. Fuck yeah, uh, nice. Providence, Rhode Island. Um, I have a set list somewhere too.
0: Oh, cool. Uh, I love, yeah, dude, I got a box with all that kind of shit too. I love it.
2: Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hold on to that stuff. But I saw Stereolab, and they were just... I mean, they were opening for Sonic Youth. They wiped the floor with Sonic Youth. Oh, like, I, I just, imagine, you know, yeah. they were. It was one of the best live shows I ever saw in my life, until actually I saw them on this last tour, where I think they were even better somehow, which I, I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> but, but I saw them, and they had synthesizers on stage and I really loved their records and all the weird sounds, especially like, you know, on the, the kind of like, you know, switched on one and two where you get like sort of the driving rock sound, but then you have the, the filter sweeps and like, mm-hmm. the whole like
1: mm-hmm. random
2: shape LFO stuff. And I, you know, I was watching them play and I saw Moog on the stage and I was like, okay, I guess that's what I need to get.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This is like 1998. And, okay. um, or nine maybe um and uh some somewhere around there and so i i went on ebay and i found a, a moog rogue it's right over there i still have it um and it was it was like 415 dollars. i had to get my dad to like Take me to the post office to like get a money order, you know. Oh, wow, it got a bin before PayPal. We're old, (laughs) we're old. (laughs) This is early, early, early. This is the first thing I ever bought on eBay, you know. Mm -hmm. And like, um, and so I bought this Moog and it, and I came and I could not figure out how it worked. I I, the one I have, it has like a switch for the VCA that can be like keyed envelope or just on and it was set to on when i opened it up so when i turned it on it was just and i was uh-huh. like i couldn't make it stop oh i could hit a key God. and play a different note i could right. change the sounds but it just kept playing and i turned it off i was like that's weird i turned it back on and started doing it again It was probably a few days before i figured out that one um, oh
0: boy yeah and you can't just like that, look was that shit up real quick on fucking google you know like Yeah. Maybe ask Jeeves, maybe. No,
2: no, no, exactly. And I didn't, and you know, I mean, again, I, not only could I not, I mean, I I probably could have looked it up, but I didn't know how to. Right,
0: right. Furthermore,
2: like I didn't know anybody who owned one of these things or never seen one, you know? So it was just like a lot of trial and error. I had like a little practice amp and I bought like a delay pedal and then I just kind of was like off to the races. I had never played keyboards or piano or anything like that before. So I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And I would just kind of like and another record that was really big for me in that time was the, um, the first Joan of Arc record, which was like, I mean, it's definitely not my favorite of their albums now, but it was something so odd about this kind of like weird, sad acoustic guitar music that just would have like noises <laughs> over yeah. it. It's
0: yeah, It's just
2: all like analog synths, you know, like it was like some weird like modulation my version so of that is into- Granddaddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I saw I saw them later, yeah. And uh, um, they were, yeah, another band, definitely in that, in that style. Of, like, here's a pop song, and then it's got some weird, like, arpeggios over mm-hmm,
1: it. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, yeah, so I, I just, like, fooled around with it. My friend was writing songs. They were really basic because he was learning music. I was stubbornly learning no theory and just kind of – Listening and like playing by ear along with him, and and then the other thing is, I bought a four track around that time too. Oh, like nice! A Tascam. It's one of the little porta studios. It had the strap locks on it, so you could put wow. a guitar strap on wow. it and like wear it. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> god, that is so cool! I wish I still had that thing. Yeah. Um, and it was really, I mean, I think that that, you know, because I was doing that in high school, and we would do home recordings. My brother was taking guitar lessons at that time, so we would do recordings together too just kind of like weird shit. And, um, and then, you know, I went off to college and I started playing in hardcore bands and I, so I sort of like left the, you know, that I was like, well, I don't need to do this anymore. Like I'm in a band. It sounds awesome. And what also, were you doing? You know, were, you were you playing synth?
0: Were you playing synth? I was singing. I was, oh, was okay. Singing. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I sang in a metal band. <laughs> I,
2: Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, like, you know, that was... And that's what you did if you didn't know how to play an instrument, which that was, that was me, you know? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And I definitely...
2: I tried to integrate my synth into the hardcore band at one point, and I remember bass player was like, no, nah, dude, like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way, no way. Um, and I was like, yeah, but, like, check out, like, The Locust. Check out, like, Cobra Kai. And I was just like, no, nah,
1: dude, that's, mm-hmm. that's
2: lame. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of, like, left it alone, but then I started going back to it and i was just making recordings alone in my basement um with like yeah with the synthesizer and uh i like borrowed like this like zoom multi-effects pedal from oh my god he lent me like a a seven string guitar as well was it the
0: um was it the like 505 or whatever with the two pedals on each side and like the red led like
2: yes yes i have yeah, that yeah, that exactly. was my first
0: like effects pedal and i fucking loved that thing but
2: it was it had some like weird like arpeggiated like pitch shifted delay yeah thing, where yeah you're like, no, no, no. And uh-huh. i really liked that so i mean i was just basically i was i had no idea how to play anything and i would just play around with sound and i would record something off the tv and then you know I had a friend got a, a a loop station and that was another big thing so oh, i had like cool. my first loop station Mm -hmm. and i and i had the multi-effects pedal and i would make like a weird loop and i would you know and i was making these tapes and not giving them to anybody
0: right right not really
2: playing them for anybody because they were terrible but (laughs) um but i was into it you know i dropped out of college and i hung around i was still playing in those bands and then i moved to la and um and around the time I moved to LA, I uh, I had like a MySpace page with some like songs oh. I had made and I
1: yeah. and
2: the um, Brian Turner who was the station director, he still is of WFMU, like I don't know how he found my thing but he like he just messaged me and was like, "Hey, like your music is cool. You should like send something into the station." So that was why, like, I made my first release. Um,
0: what a vote of cause... confidence, too, like, to, like, for somebody who's, like, making stuff and, you know, like, you just said, like, I didn't show anybody because it was terrible, but, you know, maybe it wasn't. It just, yeah. you know, it, that's your, it, you know, so was,
1: that had to yeah. have been,
0: like, momentous for you, you know? That's awesome.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it was really cool. I mean, WFMU was really big for me growing up in the Northeast. It was, like, I think I listened to a lot, and... Um, Yeah. And I mean, it was, you know, and of course, I mean, here's the thing. I made, I made a CD. I I made like 20 copies with like a jewel case and like color photo inserts and everything. And like, I am a hundred percent sure that nobody ever played that at the station, but (laughs) it it made me finish something and like put it out into the world in in some kind of way. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
2: Around that time also, I, you know, right around the time I moved there, I met these guys who were running this art gallery called the echo curio and they had just started it and they were booking a lot of shows there and so that was when i started to get into the like the la underground scene which at that point was really like you know death bomb arc and um yeah not not fun and then stuff around the smell and um you know like i mean there's you know so many bands you, but around then the uh, sorry go ahead
0: do you know christopher flieger by chance um,
2: he, that sounds really familiar. Cooling
0: Prongs is uh, his performing name, and then he's um, he's kind of like the unofficial fourth member of Clipping. But yeah, he's released a bunch of stuff on Death Ball Mart.
2: That's okay. That's where I know the name from. Yeah, yeah. I've I've played with Clipping before, but I think it was only when it was a trio for the show. But, yeah, he um, doesn't.
0: Well, he doesn't like perform with them live. I I, I think it's like uh, kind of like a, a kind of a funny thing. But they released this live album. So Christ- Christopher Flager's like huge into field recording like he he's like as as like expert deep as you can go with this kind of stuff um so for this live album they did he like put mics in like toilets and the you know he was putting my under the stage and they were like recording stuff like during the show so it's like you some of the songs you can hear it's like from a distance it's it's kind of it's a cool experimental kind of uh, yeah this week's episode is brought to you as always, by Patchworks Seattle. Um, Great, great synth shop. And they are actually, and they have some exciting news. They have uh, the new Korg ARP 2600 semi-modular synthesizer uh, that has been modernized in the newest 2600M model uh, with features like MIDI, a smaller form factor, and a re-engineered lush spring reverb. And it comes with a custom road case as well. So that's a pretty big deal. And that is available at Patchworks. And something else about Patchworks that I have utilized many times is it is a great place to bring in your vintage synthesizers and music gear on consignment, uh, or you can do some uh, trade for, you know, store credit. You can shop the great selection of used gear where hidden gems and great deals can be found. I have found so much cool stuff in that used section. Um, Patchworks is located in the heart of the Wallingford neighborhood in Seattle. You can stop by the showroom to play vintage synthesizers and shop new and used gear it's not only the best synth shop you know for Eurorack and everything else in Seattle but it also has a ton of live events from in-store showroom sessions with local artists to in-depth workshops and classes you can visit the Seattle showroom to meet all these people and see you know can I get into a class when's the next event or you can head over to patchworks.com that's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. And here's another cool piece of information. If you are shopping online at Patchworks, free shipping for orders over $75. And then one last thing, they are updating their showroom hours. So Patchworks will be now open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from noon to 7 p.m. And Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. So it will be closed Monday through Wednesday. Once again, that's patchworks.com. P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.
2: Oh, it's clipping. We'll come back into the story later. So that works out well.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I was going to say you were leaving off on clipping.
2: (laughs) Yeah. um, Although I don't know how we got there, but.
0: (laughs) Uh, 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 That's Mark.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So there was like, there was the smell Echo Curio, Spot Called Il Corral, Mr. T's Bull. And there was just a ton of shows happening. And um, that was, you know, sort of, when I started taking solo music seriously because I'd moved there, there was all this music happening, but I couldn't really figure out how to put a band together. Um, And it was hard as somebody who didn't really play anything at that point. Um, And so I started, I met this group of guys who were doing, you know, they were 10 years older than me. So they were like in their mid thirties at that point. And they were doing improvised music um, as a trio. I started playing with them and then we formed a larger ensemble and then you know, cross-pollination started getting, uh, playing with a lot of the Not Not Fun bands. Rogue Door and Pocahontas were two bands that I, you know, loved and saw many times and later ended up, like, talking my way into joining. Um, <laughs> and, you know, because it was, I mean, I would see Rogue Door and they were so good and I was like, hey, you, you know, this is like a, a sort of a, a thread in my life. I'd be like, hey, you guys should come over and let me record your band. I never recorded a band before, but I was like, I could do that. <laughs> right, <know>? right, yeah.
1: <laughs> I kind of did you know, the same while, thing while they're
2: with, there. I was like,
0: yeah, with Greg <laughs> we, from Recovery sorry. Effects. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just like glommed onto him, and then luckily we became friends. And then he invited me to play guitar in his band. And yeah. Oh, that's,
2: that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like you know, that's what you do. Like, if you want to especially as a new person, like if you want to do stuff, like show people why they should want to do stuff with you. So they would right, come yeah. over and record and I would play, you know, I'd be like, Hey, I've got an idea for something, you know, what if we did this? And then I joined the band, you know, <laughs> so mm-hmm, <like> that's,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> I love um, it. I love and it.
2: I found, you know, that was around that time, all of a sudden I went from sort of being in like one band at a time and kind of doing solo stuff to doing, kind of a lot of solo stuff and also being in like three, four bands. Oh, wow.
0: Okay. At this point, are you still using that, um, uh, that, that Moog? What what was it? Did you say
1: a Rogue? Yeah. yeah,
2: It was a a Moog Rogue. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, my solo stuff when I started out doing it, I kind of moved away from the synthesizer and was mostly playing with like guitar and other string things. These are all instruments I was not good at. I just Mm -hmm. sort of learned to kind of, you know, do something with it. And again, it was a lot of looping, a lot of effects and like trying to find a sound. Um, mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, I just kind of, you know, remember, I would use the Moog sometimes. Like I did a band with my brother called Body Dump Central where uh, one of us would play the drums and the Moog at the same time. The other one would play guitar. Nice. Um And uh, it, it was there, but I, I kind of wasn't like, I wasn't using it in super musical ways, I guess.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then at a certain point, I think I just, you know, I realized I was like, I'm doing all this stuff with uh, pedals and trying to like make these weird sounds. And then I was like, well, that's what the synthesizer is. It just like, it makes weird sounds. So I got really into sort of the nuance of the Vogue's. And I think that this is something that like, you know, starting around then in like 2006, maybe 2007, I became really tuned into sort of the architecture of like your basic, like two oscillator mode synthesizer. Um, and it became for me sort of like the thing that felt like the most expressive instrument that I Mm -hmm. could play because Mm -hmm. I, I could, I just have at this point, like a sort of, you know, um, baked in understanding of like how everything in it affects everything else. It's not the thing where I reach for it and something happens that surprises me. It's the right. opposite. Yeah. That. It's mm-hmm. like I, I I, understand it like on a very, you know, deep level. I mean, these days mm-hmm. I mostly use the, the Moog sub fatty, which I love. And um, similarly, it's just a thing where like I can sit down at it with no idea and just start making music. And it just feels like a natural extension of, of me as a player. Yeah. Nice. Um, nice. So that started around that time I started to put out music like that. I mean, I was doing right around the time I was starting to do the Moog recordings was also when I was first starting to get into modular synthesis, which was again around like 2007.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I wanted to ask, (laughs) I wanted to ask, like, I want like the, 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 the nitty gritty specifics on that, like. Did you see somebody set up? Did somebody say, Hey, you should check this out or did you go to a synth shop and see something or how did that go?
2: Yeah. So, um, my, uh, one of my closest friends in the world, uh, was this guy, Jeremy Kelly, who I met when I was living here in, uh, you know, the Hudson Valley, uh, the first time around for college. Um, and he worked in a little record store that was like around the corner from my house. And then he lived in this apartment that was around the corner from that and, right over the it looked over the extra mark so every time i went to go get cigarettes he would like shout out the window at me and i'd go over to his apartment and mm-hmm. he would um he played guitar at that point and we would just like listen to like neurosis and um john fahey and creed and like you know whatever just
0: <laughs> you said cream music right
2: mostly. yeah cream yeah we listened a lot i thought for a second you said
0: creed <laughs> and i was like that's a weird one to throw with those other two but yeah, all yeah
2: right. <laughs> It was just kind of like, we were just listening to, you know, King Crimson. We listened to a ton of King Crimson. Yeah, yeah. It was just whatever, like, he, you know, he loved guitar music, and I did too. Um, and so we just hung out, we listened to music a lot. He was a guy, he, we played in a couple bands together. He was an incredible guitar player. Um, and then I moved to Los Angeles in 2005, and he comes out to visit me in 2007, and he has a little dope for, like, A100, or whatever they're called, the little yeah yeah. Somewhere over there. A little mm-hmm. dope for you know two row eighty four HPKs. Um filled with I mean it wasn't even filled, it was like maybe a little over three quarters of the way filled with dope for modules. And I had been doing the moog stuff for a while and it was cool. And he was like, Hey, I got this. It's really cool, like check it out. And I did, and I was like, I don't understand how this thing works at all. This is a nightmare. I had also, you know, at Bard they had uh I was not a music major, but they did have in the music department, like a surge system. And I remember going in there once with a friend of mine and trying to get it to make a single sound
1: <laughs> and just
2: absolutely failing. Like I had totally. no idea how it worked. Yeah. Um, but he was explaining to me how the doper stuff worked and he was showing me, he's like, you know, if you plug this oscillator into the FM oscillator and put it this oscillator it does this. And I was like, well, that's, that's fucking cool, dude. (laughs) Like, like those sounds (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it just kind of stuck in my head. And, you know, we were super close. We would talk on the phone often, almost every day. And he, you know, he would be telling me what he was doing and like sending me, you know, emailing me like recordings he was making and stuff. And I just, you know, it just, it seemed to me like I was like, this is what I've been looking for because it's, it's, it's not about playing at all. Like with Mm -hmm. the Moog, it was, mostly about sculpting the sound, but I still had to play it, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. or at least like, you know, wedge a wedge a card under the key or something. <laughs> but like um with this, it was like it's just sculpting sound. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a sequencer. Um my first modular synthesizer, I didn't have a sequencer. I didn't I like didn't even imagine I was like, oh yeah if you have a sequencer, everything's gonna sound like craft work. Like who wants that? You know? I mean yeah. not that I love craft work, but like it was just like I was like, Well that's you know um so I don't have a sequencer after right that. Though.
0: That just occurred to me. There you me. go. I yeah, I just I mean you I, either there's well no I have a beat step. I have a beat step. Never mind.
2: But, that's a sequencer. Yeah, <laughs> I hate to break it you. I never use it. That's why I forgot
0: about it. It's like, oh yeah, I don't need
2: So like, I mean, I mean, actually in my case right now, I do not have a traditional sequencer. I have a brain seed. I've got a CV record and that's it, you know? Um, uh, But so I just got, you know, I thought this thing was so cool. He left and took it with him and I was like, oh shit. Oh
1: no. Yeah. And
2: so I started um, thinking about it and, you know, this is in the days... When before Analog Haven had opened up their second store after the first one, and you would have to like meet Sean from Analog Haven in the parking lot behind a closed blockbuster, and he would like open up his trunk and like give you the modules you've been. I fucking love it. But I started (laughs) before Eurorack, I I started with a 5U system. There was like a you know Uh synthesizers.com mostly system. Um, with a couple, I had like a Cynthia um uh, cloud generator, I think it was, or whatever the the thing you could feed you like fed a saw wave into it and it gave you like six detuned saw. a oh, killer, okay. killer module. Nice. Um, and it was like a very simple sort of like, you know, four oscillator, four VCO or four VCA, four envelopes, you know, like a kind of standard system. And I just, you know, and this is probably, yeah, like end of 2007, early 2008. Um, and I didn't know anybody besides Jeremy who was doing this and he lived in New York, except for, uh, Bill and Jonathan, both of clipping, mm-hmm. both doing modular synth stuff at that point in very different contexts. I mean, Jonathan was doing like that Captain Ahab yeah, stuff yeah. and like, he, yeah. And then Bill was doing this like harsh noise, you know, using mm-hmm. modular synthesis. Um, and, uh, and David Scott Stone, of course, um, who is like I think one of the real like OGs of like West Coast synthesizer scene and he played with all these bands in the '90s. But you know he was like played with Melvins and like
0: played oh, wow. LCD
2: Sound System. Oh, cool! And, you, know. you should you should talk to Dave. He's a he's a trip. Yeah, like actually, wh- you know, what did
0: you say his name was? Yeah, because I definitely David Scott Stone. David yeah, Scott yeah, yeah. Stone. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Um,
2: yes, nicest guy you'll ever meet. He remembers every person he ever meets. uh, <laughs> Full horoscope chart and can tell you everything about it. he's like, well, you know, it's your 38th birthday. So like this year is, you know, like just oh, like really? off the top oh, of his wow, head when great. you like run into a yeah, yeah, he's a trip. Great guy. He was cool. also doing five you stuff. Um, okay, cool. And uh yeah, I mean it was just it was I was really just like learning. Learning. And I put out, you know, a couple tapes, I put out an LP of that of that early system. And then I kind of, like, moved away from it because I sort of was like, well, I don't know what to do with this anymore. Like, I could make really cool sounds and, like, these big, droney FM, like, gnarly earthquake,
1: you mm-hmm. know. But,
2: but then I, I was just like, okay.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah,
0: right. Totally, totally, yeah.
2: <laughs> didn't own a MIDI controller, so, like, that was out. I mean, I had a MIDI module, but I didn't have a MIDI controller or sequencer. I, I didn't use a computer, so I was like, that was out, so... It kind of just like sat there for a while. I eventually sold it, started building a Euro rack. But really, in that time, I was mostly that was when I really got into recording with the Moog. And I put out a bunch of tapes and, um, of, of just solo Moog through, you know, a few delay pedals and a loop pedal. And that was kind of just my thing for mm-hmm. a few years. And it's a thing that I kind of continually come back to. Um, mm-hmm. I was playing shows like that six months ago and it's like, I just, it's something that, you know, to me, it's like, sort of like the, it's the, it's kind of the default mode for how I make music.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and then, but then, you know, as I started building the Eurorack, I, this is also, you know, again, around like 2008, nine, maybe at this point. So, you know, make noise is just starting out. Like a lot of these companies, don't exist yet. Like if you right. went to the analog Haven, you know, products page, like it was like, you know, 20, 25 names, you know? Right. Yeah. And that was it. And uh, so it was, you know, and I, and, but I was buying stuff. I was really into the early make of stuff. I, you know, I got like a yeah. odd D mix and I got a mass when that came out, it took me forever to figure out what to do with it. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I got it and it, um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just as as the, really, I think the the point for me where like the modular like really became my main instrument was when I got the Renee. Um, okay. And it kind of all came together. It was like I had gotten the maths and I'd gotten the QMMG, and then I was told to get another maths because you need two maths if you have the <laughs> QMMG, and. Um, and I had like you know I had a couple of like like synth tech oscillators. And this is mm-hmm. before the you know STO before the DPO. McNoy's didn't have an oscillator at this point.
1: Wow! Oh wow! Um, yeah.
2: And uh, yeah, but I had the Woggle Bug. I had two Woggle Bugs actually, uh-huh. and that was because I wanted to. I I I always for a long time I always had two Woggle Bugs in the case because I wanted one fast and one slow.
1: Uh-huh. And
2: the first time I met Tony Rolando, like I was uh, um, playing in Asheville. I was touring. I, don't I remember it was, or maybe it was with Akron family that time um, and uh, this guy Dash who was working for Make Noise at that time was like a big fan of my music and so he like talked to everybody who worked there to coming out and see the show mm-hmm. and Tony you know went up and checked out my case afterwards and the only th- thing he said was wow two woggle bugs that's a lot of random <laughs> like, yeah it's like i was like i was like man i used the living shit out of those woggle bugs they're like my favorite things ever you know mm-hmm. and then that was and that was that like you know i think that like the next day i went out for a bunch with them. we just like you know hit it off and
0: tony's such a great guy
2: soon. yeah <laughs> so sweet tony and kelly both are like amazing i haven't
0: like and... really met i've like sh- she's popped into the screen um Maybe I don't remember which time, I, because Tony's been on three times now. So yeah, that's really the only time we've like, like talked, you know, verbally. But you know, we've messaged and stuff. But like, when you have long form, three hour, you know, three one hour conversations that are one on one, you you tend to kind of
1: yeah.
0: So yeah, I, he's he's such a nice guy. I just met Walker in person for the first time this last. Oh yeah, Walker's great too. Was, yeah. yeah, that was really cool. Walker's Walker's an awesome dude. I saw him and met Pete um pete spear I, I i think that guy's so talented the stuff that he does with the video oh, yeah. and stuff but just their instagram page, oh no it's so cool holy shit
2: oh um, it's amazing it's amazing yeah. yeah they really adapted well into that like as a company i you know because i think it's hard to like know what to do with that stuff and not have it be like corny you know and yeah they, yeah i i, I love that i i learn things about their modules and i when I see their posts, I want to buy
0: their new thing that I don't have. Totally. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I I think it's also just from my experience, because like, you know, like they're, they're, you know, they're the, they're the biggest modular modular manufacturer. And, um,
2: Really? I mean, I guess that makes sense, but I think so.
0: I mean, yeah, I I can't think of like, um, you know, Mutable is, Maybe is mutable retired. Maybe and it's yeah.
2: Prime, right, yeah.
0: Um, but, uh, you know... Like, I mean, there's
2: stuff is, to me, it's like, that's that's my baseline for stuff in my synth. And it's like, I will never, I still have my V1 Wogglebug. I still have my V1 Renee. I sold my QMMG because I would have been dumb not
0: to. Yeah, <laughs> right, prices. yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the and I, you know, and I sold like,
2: it, and I bought, and I bought four Optimixes and four STOs. There you know? go. Like yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have a Morphogene, but I, my PhonoGene is like one of my. I, I've, I've long said I would sell off everything else in my case and keep the Wogglebug, the PhonoGene, and the SynthTech uh, low-pass filter. I was like, those yeah. three things to me are the best of what's out there. Like, yeah, mor-
0: Morphogene is is like I like if I had to, if, you know, back against the wall, I had to pick a favorite module. I, I think I, I think that's a no brainer. Um, I also, I, I love the shit out of Strega. Um,
1: yeah, I've been yeah. playing
0: a lot of guitar through it and it's just,
2: <laughs> I'd love to get my hands out of Strega. I gotta, I gotta do that. I, I, I was, I, I didn't, I didn't say in the beta test, but I got early, an early O coast to like shoot some content for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's another thing that I just use, constantly like it's not my desk on right now because it's just such a useful right. box the form factor is amazing it's easy to travel with the mm-hmm. base out of it is insane just um,
0: yeah. yeah yeah that's no, that's a and i i love that they made that and like you know like pittsburgh had like the uh, the microvolt at the around the same time which is also really cool right um but i'm just really glad that they stuck with that form factor because even yeah i mean it's it's not like it's a cheap or instrument but like as far as the euro world goes like if you were just wanting to get started like you could get a no coast you know you could you could work a you know just save money for a few months and and you could get a no coast and then you know maybe a zero control or something and and start working up right and um yeah i feel i it's yeah. and i know so many people like well i don't i actually i don't know i feel like i feel like sometimes uh i don't want to be perceived as like like uh, a kiss ass or something because they are the biggest company. But like, I think they're the biggest company for a few reasons. One, they're, they're, they're undeniably interesting instruments and awesome sounding and everything. And two, like every, they're all fucking cool. They're all really, really down to earth. Really like no really ego. Helps. There's no, I've, I I yeah. was nervous about talking with Tony, but now like I've like, if Tony, if if Tony and I were to go out to lunch or something together right now, I would feel like no I'd feel totally comfortable and I'd be, you know, be like this is going to be fun, you know. Um
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I think in general in in music, in the arts in general, that shit goes a long way because -hmm. You know, hardly anybody or nobody's getting rich off this. If they are, if anybody is getting rich off this, it's not us. You know, (laughs) it's and like so ultimately, like it's like what do you what do you get out of it? You get the experience of making music, which is amazing, and you get the relationships. You know, totally and and absolutely. For me, the relationships are a huge part of that. And like it's, it's so cool to me that like Tony like listens to my music. Like I love that. You know, like that's like that that you know, and because. I would not be making the music I make without the instruments that you build.
1: Totally. And, you know, I
2: was an early make noise convert. My case was almost all make noise for a long time. And, um, and it's still like far and away the most modules I own by any manufacturer, Mm
1: -hmm. you
2: know? Um, so it's like, it's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, they're the best and they, they deserve to be the biggest. Their designs have always been incredible and they've never stopped looking forward into something. And you know, right. To be honest, like I, I, I have mostly escaped the uh, the the old uh, gear acquisition syndrome. Thing, um, <laughs> partially because I'm like a college student again, and like that, all my money goes to yeah. being a college student and like living in a house. But
1: um, <laughs> but
2: you know, it's but also, I mean, I, I think from the beginning, I had the idea that like the modular system was something that I would at some point complete. You know, mm-hmm. and that it wasn't just going to be this like open ended like money hole. Like right. you know, and I mean, I will, I will buy more modules. I have I, the last module I bought was, well, I mean, actually, the last module I bought was like two years ago. More. Um, mm-hmm. It's also, I mean, it doesn't. There was a period of about ten years where it was my main instrument for making music, my main performance thing, and I didn't play a show without it for you know close to a decade, and um, so and it's not that at this point, you know, mm-hmm. it's still a huge part of what I do, but it's, it's, I've, I've moved away from it in some senses as like my main performance thing. Partially what is, because what is now I well, go ahead. Um, I will, Oh you know, yeah. going ahead, like partially because I feel like I built the instrument to do the thing that I've been trying to make it do. And then I like figured out how to do that thing and I did it. And now it, now it's done. You know, yeah, like it's yeah. like, I could, mm-hmm. I could keep doing it. And I did. I mean, I, you know, so like the, uh, I made a record and it came out in like 2017 called Light Pipe. It's a double CD and it's all built from live recordings or I'm from recordings of pieces I wrote for live performance with the modular and with the Moog as well. And, you know, some other stuff, but using the modular is like the the hub of the composition. And um, I toured those pieces of music, and played them in shows for like a year and a half. Um, and they were really built around these two sequences I had saved on the Modcan CV recorder. So after I did the last performance of that series, um, which was, uh, in, uh, Spain, I cleared the sequences and then that was it. And that was like, I was like, I can never play it again. Mm I don't know how well, you know, the CV record, but it's like, uh, it's, it's, not a sequencer it is a cv recorder and it does it's not step-based it's real time so i had made these sequences by plugging a key step in and kind of like playing on the keyboard and then um they were something that i could never recreate there's like ways in which the key step notes trigger weird and then like the way it hears the notes triggers strange because i'm playing sort of like legato style like on a keyboard but you know it's a monophonic Mm -hmm. signal path and there was just, I I, I had, I, when I, it was gone. Yeah, it was right, gone. right. And I think around that point is when I kind of s- stepped away from the modular a little bit because I was just sort of like, I did the thing I was trying to do with it. Everything else I want to do now seems like this is maybe not the right way to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I need to like start thinking about other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that said, I've made, you know, I mean, the first two How Sue record uh, releases are, mostly modular, but using it in, you know, more as, like, a, a sound design element than, like, as, like, sort of the main musical piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and with performance, too, I, I really, I went back to the Moogs, um and to other, like, hardware synthesizers. I think, too, you know, a thing that happens if you spend a lot of time in modular world, and also, like, vintage synth world in general, mm-hmm. is that you pick up something like a you know Yamaha TG thirty three, that's like you know eighties. Uh, um, I forget what you call the name dynamic wave synthesis or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you like play a chord, and you're like, that's the craziest fucking sound I've ever heard in my entire life. Did
0: they have a rack version <laughs> of that with like a green LED screen on it?
2: Uh, yeah, it's not think- rack. It's like a desktop thing.
0: I think I I wanna say there was a rack version of that, and I think I may have used that on my first like full length electronic album.
2: There might be a rack version that's like called something else. But yeah, yeah. I mean probably it's got the joystick. It's got the vector four way joystick where you can like mix between the waves.
0: Yeah. And so you know, I mean it could TG what? I wanna know I'm just
2: curious. T G
0: T G thirty
2: three. T G thirty
0: three. Yeah.
2: And yeah, so it's like when you've been working in this very specific ecosystem that is so open in some ways but also like there's just some things that a modular synthesizer is terrible for like you know a polyphonic pad sound or making something quickly yeah well i mean i don't i i don't know i mean i don't know but that was the other thing too is that like i could make things quickly with the modular but i was patching it the same way every time you know and yeah, like
0: to- yeah mm-hmm
2: also I was getting back into the zone of starting to improvise with other people more often. And I realized that like, for some people, this might be a great improvisational instrument. For me, it is not. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great for solo improvisation, but it's not great for reactive group improvisation and mm-hmm. just the way I play it, which is kind of like set up this whole ecosystem within the synth and kind of just like mix it from the board and
1: mm-hmm.
2: maybe like I mean, I've done performances where I literally just turn the synthesizer on and I don't touch it again for the rest of the performance, you know, like I just let it do its thing, you know, and it's like, that's, um, but for improv, that doesn't work so well. And I, Mm -hmm. so going back to things with keyboards where like, I felt like I could play a little more like gesturally, Mm -hmm. um, and then also, yeah, these like digital synths. I got the, um, another big part of this was like, I got the squarp pyramid, uh, sequencer. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden I had this thing where I was like, I can plug in like every synth I own to this thing and play them all at the same time. Right. Yeah. And it's so the interface of that thing is so easy. It's it's like, it's, it's almost like the, the electron stuff, but easier. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was just like, Oh wow. I can just make things in this totally different way. And so I got I really think, into that.
0: Yeah. I think there's something about my, mo- like I, I love modular and I can't see myself ever like not using it in some capacity. And it is my main, my main thing. Um, but i have you know, I've been playing guitar since I was 12. Um, you know, and I, I decently know my way around a piano. Like I'm not a great like piano player or anything, but I can do it. Um, and lately I've, I've been like, I've been playing a lot of guitar through my, my, my Euro rack. And I also got the uh, Novation summit because like, if I, I, the reason I don't have like a, a proper sequencer, like I got the beat step pro so I could make beats uh, easier. Cause I do right. want to make beats, but like, as far as melodic sequences, like I, I, I just find that, that process so unenjoyable that I, 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 and I would, if I'm like, if I have a melody in my head, I can just play it on this really quickly rather than sit mm-hmm. here and, and do, do that. So I feel like, you know, I, I spent some time. I was you know, bab, my, baptized myself in the fire of you know weird <laughs> swirliness, and now I'm like, okay, that's what I use this for, and I'm I feel like I'm yeah. getting some like some of my best results from a modular system now with my guitar because I'm I'm like a pretty decent guitar player, so.
2: Sure. You know. Yeah. No. But I, I had mean, I to think dive that, think in a lot for of people, a while. You know. Yeah. A lot of people go through that process, though. I think I think that's pretty common because it's mm-hmm. like most people that I know who got into modular synthesis did come from another instrument. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were guitar players, bass right. players, drummers, whatever, you know, and like, and I'm, it's always fascinating for me to watch people like that and how they, um, how they interpret. Like I saw, um, Sam prekop uh, a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Uh, so did I, he was actually just uh, in this room the other day. That was awesome. <laughs> he
2: was, um, do you, did you see him with the duo thing?
0: Yeah. Him and John. Yeah. Like, with John. Yeah.
2: I would love to have seen that. And Jeremiah, I know Jeremiah. Was yeah, I
0: actually, I he's, t- he's Jeremiah is going to be, I I'm late on the episode, but I'm after we're done here, I'm going to finish editing it. So his episode oh, will be released awesome. later today.
2: <laughs> Jeremiah rules. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. uh, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, it was cool to see. I really wanted to see their duo thing. Cause I, I had heard clips and it sounded amazing. The record is great. Um, but watching Sam, I've loved watching him do all the modular stuff. Like, um, you know, over the last few years, because I was a big C and Cake fan, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like he makes modular music and electronic music in the way that I would expect the guy from C and Cake to, and, like <laughs> that's really cool. Like, there, you know, there was a part in his set where he was doing this sort of like this very like weird kind of naughty sequence, and at some point it just like occurred to me. I was like, oh, this sounds like a fingerpicked guitar. Like this is not like like this is not the way a sequence normally works. He's writing this sequence or he's performing it in the style of like a fingerpick guitar with that Mm -hmm. kind of patterning. And it just like, and like, I don't, I'm not going to say he did that on purpose or maybe he did, but like just sort of your proclivities as a musician. And I think that's the interesting thing about modular especially is that it's like such an open system. So it really is all about like, well, what do you want to do? And, you know, I would have a lot of people less these days, but you know, especially, When I was putting out a lot of modular records, and it was at a time when that was still kind of just starting to take off, people would ask me like, "You know, what do you put in a system? Like, what what should I buy?" And it's like, I can't tell you that because I don't know what you're trying to make. One hundred. I know. Like,
0: I get people emailing me like pretty regularly, you know, with those kind of questions, and. And, and I, I feel bad because I, it's. I feel like the ans the the answer that I want to give, and I'm I'm sure it's similar to yours, is is not that gratifying of an answer to get when you are the noob. But like that oh, yeah. question is only like, hold on,
2: invest heavily in utility modules. <laughs> yeah, they right. Like- yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like my You're my need answer, a lot of BCAAs, is, dog.
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> my answer is always like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what is what's the goal? Right. Right. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Yeah. You know. So. Um, Well,
2: these days especially because it's like there's so many different things it's like you can you can you can build a modular as like a sample groove box or you can build it as an effects processor and and not only that but there are 30 different ways to do each of those things totally absolutely you know Mm -hmm. a million manufacturers making like you know i'm glad that i started when i did because there weren't 65 VCOs to pick from.
1: Right, yeah, you know? yeah, totally. And so that,
2: <laughs> in a sense, that made it a lot easier because I was like, oh, SynthTake makes these cool VCOs. I'm going to buy those, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and then, like, you know, and then I heard the AFG. I was like, I need to get the AFG. So I got mm. that, you know? And, like, um, and then, you know, at some point, Make Noise puts out the DPL. I'm like, well, Make Noise finally made an oscillator. I have to buy this one. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was a lot easier to just kind of, like, you know. And then totally. and with for it was, like, Joke for failed in every hole before mm-hmm. there was an intelligent made everything,
0: you know,
2: mm-hmm. like, right. Totally. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's, I mean, it's so funny. I think now. if
0: you
1: look
2: at my case, what's that,
0: there are just so many manufacturers now, but what I do love about it is the people who get into the designing this stuff, like, you know, I, I wanted to say earlier, so I think it's pertinent now, but like we were, you know, talking about how awesome make Noise is and how down to earth and everything. But like, that's kind of been my that not kind of that's been 99.9% of my experience with any company that I've like talked with Mm -hmm. on the show or met at met at shows or whatever. Like there's there's a it's kindred spirits and stuff. And and I think this this kind of format really draws in really innovative people. So yeah, there's a million brands that that there's just so much cool, actual cool shit out there. Like, you know, a lot of the, most of it is unique in its own way, but you have to find like that lane of unique for you. And that's hard for sure. Yeah.
2: And it's, and yes. And I think, I think it's a lot harder now because just because those options are, yeah.
0: And it's like, yes. And I think, I mean, I think the unfortunate thing, like gas is a real thing. I think there's also like, not quite, but I kind of jokingly say there's like a trading card aspect to it, like a collector's aspect to it. Um hundred percent. But you have to I think you like a lot of this stuff, you kinda have to get your hands on it and, and learn whether or not it is for you or, or not. And that means you have to learn how to use it. And that's an expensive, you know, trial and error process. You know, it's good to find maybe a friend you can do trade borrows with or something. But you know, he's really not conducive do one with, thing. Right. Doesn't mean right. I'm gonna do that with that it's,
2: thing. It's For sure. And it's, I mean, I would say two things about that. Like one is it's, that's also not conducive with building a huge system quickly because I, like most people bought one or two modules at a time. I spent a ton of time with them, figured out everything I could do with them. And then when I finally was like, I don't know what else to do with this thing. I guess it's time to buy another module, you know? (laughs)
1: Um,
2: I think that like ultimately like what you're saying about like, you know, the way you're going to do something like, and I think this goes back to what I was saying before. It's like, um, what makes any of us interesting as a musician, as an artist, is the thing that only we do. And it's like, ultimately, I can try to copy something or like do my version of something, but it's, it's going to sound more like me than the thing I'm trying to to make. Because That's,
0: yeah. That's so funny you said this because I've, I've literally sorry, had this go. conversation this morning with uh, with Gareth and Daniel from Sunroof. Like we had, and we we had this exact conversation today. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like,
2: it's, it's, it. it, 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 well, it bears having again because it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's so important because, you know, I mean, one thing is like, when I started doing this stuff, people would ask me uh, all the time, like, how do you do that? Or how did you make this thing? Or, you know, like after a show, like what is your synthesizer doing? And I would see people be so cagey about it. And I'm like, what are you afraid of? That like, they're going to make your music because they, you know, like how many Mm. people own a Stratocaster, you know? Right. How many of them sound like Jimi Hendrix? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, it's like, it's just, it's a, it's a, if you put so little value in the part of you that is making this stuff, like that says a lot. Um, yeah, I'd and, also say I've yeah. noticed there's like a, there's an inverse relationship between the size of someone's modular system and the quality of the music they make. Oftentimes. I not, dude, not always, but not always oftentimes. there's a trend there. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's I, kind of on this topic. I was talking with, with, uh, Gareth and Daniel about this this morning. I love my Needham Woodworks case. I absolutely love it. And, um, I, you know, I put, I use that when it's like studio time. I'm re- you know I want all my stuff at my disposable disposal especially if I'm gonna like score something that I just recently shot or something like that sure. but if I'm gonna try to make something that is like you know I want to make just like a cool piece of music that's for myself like the 7u make noise case has always been like my go-to and I've recently just got these pods from 4ms um oh, because yeah. I like I even want I even wanted a little bit more manageable because I find that my music, like I watched a set that I did in new Orleans when I was like, you know, two years in maybe playing modular, maybe less. And I was like, God damn, that's like way that's actually better than some of the sets that I've done recently. And then I think about the sets that I've done (laughs) recently and what made those bad. Oh, me like trying to find where something came unplugged or, you know, it's like, it becomes like, right. Like, I, when the performance is managing and just keeping track of signal flow, there's, there's, there's a point where you get diminishing returns there, you know,
2: there's a price to that complexity. And I would also say too, that like, it just further serves to kind of like remove you from the moment of the performance. if you're absolutely like worried. Agree. And this is, I think another reason why I got away from it, because I was like, you know, like when I would play also touring, I mean, I've toured a ton and I've toured as a modular synthesizer artist. And it's, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like I've been using this Pittsburgh, like two row case for years now, just because I can carry it easily. And like, I, <laughs> I have the gorilla box that's like double the size and that technically fits like in the carry on thing, but that thing is so fucking heavy. I got bursitis in my shoulder from carrying it around. Holy Europe, shit. You
0: know? Wow. Yeah.
2: And, and it's just also like, it's like, I don't want to have a million things that can go wrong. Like there's enough stuff that can go wrong with live music. Um, mm-hmm. So like I was the, um, I always want something manageable. I take all the knobs off of like, I, I pull all the knobs off my STOs so that I don't like bump them and like detune them. Like it's nice. Like, yeah. My synth looks terrible because I was I'm like, about, I don't care how it looks. <laughs>
0: like, I was thinking know? about doing that with my enter because yeah I you know this thing is so interactive and everything and these you know you can get these oscillators in tune nicely but there you touch those knobs and it's and it's off
2: you know because there's a lot of
0: range to the oscillators um so yeah I think that's a good idea
2: yeah and I was doing a set where I had four STOs that I needed to track together Oh, you know shit. so it's yeah. like and it's if got that big knob out, on it
0: too that big rogan knob got, which is a rubber and pluck
2: it plucked yeah. it right off <laughs> plucked mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. right off and if it, and people would like scowl when they saw that like how dare you and i'm like i don't care
1: you know mm-hmm. um
2: but it, if you if one of those four stos got out of tune in that performance i would never be able to figure out which one it was totally and it would ruin maybe not for the audience but for me 100% would ruin mm-hmm. the rest of the performance absolutely so yeah so it's like it's like why would I set myself
0: up to fail, <laughs> you know? good. <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I I I wanted to go a little long because I I, I felt I've I started feeling bad that I took up uh you know some of your time just talking about new metal <laughs> and the audience this time. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are closing in on this. Um, I feel like I wanted to ask you uh you know specific questions about some of your your you know releases and everything but like i think we're i think you're gonna have to come back soon and do a part two because this was so much fun and uh i like i said i feel like i i want i want more information from you like i want to (laughs) talk to you more about stuff so let's I would I like loved, to plan to on that
2: <laughs>
0: but we have, you know, like, yeah, we, no, that we, sounds great. I would, I, 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 I want to give you an opportunity. Like, like, is there anything you want to point people in the direction of of something that you've done recently or, or are you playing any show? Like, is there anything coming up, any announcements yeah, I or mean, anything?
2: Sure. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's interesting you say that. Cause I feel like, you know one of the one of the hard things about having like you know the DIY and the sort of and especially in the Bandcamp era is like if somebody goes to my Bandcamp page there's like 30 releases on there mm-hmm. and that's no fun you know <laughs> like that's a, that's like possibly a little intimidating and um, but I would say like yeah I mean my I think when I look back on the music I've made my you know always the most recent thing is always my favorite so right. uh, my last mm-hmm. thing on How Sue definitely expressed I know the silence which I made almost entirely on a electron model samples you know which is like okay a, like 250 plastic yeah i was gonna say oh that's cool sample.
0: yeah that's like a yeah my first awesome. sampler
2: it's my first ever oh, nice. sampler so i, there, I, I almost bought that i actually. made a couple of records with that oh i love it it's so much fun it really i mean talk about like limiting choices forcing you into stuff like i made a bunch of samples with it and then i just I don't think about the sounds. I'm just like, how do I make this into music? You know? Right. And I would yeah. just finish tracks, finish yeah. tracks.
0: that's what I do with the. So SGS, um, that
2: that's one, like, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I'd say you know I did a, a CD on Room Forty uh, like four or five years ago, five, six years ago at this point, uh, called Light Pipe. That um, to me is like sort of. That's like kind of my big modular synthesizer statement i don't know if i'll ever make a record again that is kind of that um devoted to that vibe but it's uh-huh. it's a two and a half hour long ambient record
0: um, whoa so i'm looking for that. it right now on is it on your um, <laughs> is it on your Bandcamp page it's not
2: on my Bandcamp. it's oh, okay. on the room 40 Bandcamp. Room 40 um, okay yeah because i want to check can, that you out you can stream it it's I, you know it's a in thing the i think show a lot of people too oh yeah cool a lot of people didn't hear it because it only came out on CD because it's two and a half hours long.
1: Um, and,
2: yeah, and I was like, I'm not trying to, you know, yeah, we're not doing right. that. Um, right. But uh, it, to me, I think it's, it's you know, uh, my friend Miles once said it was his favorite thing to listen to on flights. But I think it's oh, like nice. – uh, it's really good for any kind of like creative work reading, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it moves extremely slowly, but it's always, it's like a river. It's it's moving slowly, but it's always moving. It's always changing. And uh, nice. it's just, it's a very special piece of music to me. Um, okay. And, you know, came out of all these things I was doing live and uh, great memories of shows, you know, playing with survive playing. with Ol, Oh, and, like, cool. Yeah. Bands that I love. Um,
0: you know, I've had Kyle and, um, um, God, now I feel bad. I'm blanking on his name. Michael. Those Michael, yeah. I, I, those, yeah. Awesome dudes.
2: Known um, those dudes forever. Um, Yeah. And, and it was so cool to see them do what they did and just, like, blow up like that because mm-hmm. I, I don't know two guys who worked harder at that stuff, you know? Yeah.
0: And what um, a world. we Like, I, that's, like, God, I'm old. But that's, like, one of those scenarios where you just got to step back and be like, what a crazy world that is. Like, the way that all happened. Yeah. And kind of helped, like, really, like... You know, Euro rack and synthesizer music is definitely, like, you know, on on the the, the rise, I think. Um, and I feel like, you know, Survive is a huge part of that with Stranger Things and everything. That's so cool. Um, you know,
2: and they were the, – what I love about them, too, is they were doing that exact same shit for years totally, before that yeah, show. Yeah. Like, I would see mm-hmm. them play, and it was, like, you know, like – 80 BPM like yeah, and it, was, yeah. it you know they didn't, they
1: didn't
2: they didn't change they've been doing that forever they mm-hmm. do it better than anybody else does that now mm-hmm. you know um, so respect where it's due and also just great guys um, but yeah I mean yeah again it's about the relationships I, I loved playing with those guys there was yeah. once upon a time they, they asked if they could open for me on a tour which is That's
1: <laughs> fucking rad dude <laughs> That's rad.
2: But, you know, that says a lot about where my life has gone and where their <laughs> lives have gone. <laughs> because then I was, you know, this was, this would have been like art galleries. And then like a year later, I'm opening for them at the L Ray in front of like, you know, a thousand people. And I,
1: uh-huh. like, <laughs> uh-huh. wow. I mean,
2: look, did they deserve to be there? Did I deserve to be where I was? Yes. And yes. Like, it, you know, right. Absolutely. I mean, everything yeah. was right where it should be that night, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just. You love to see people you like succeed.
0: Totally, you know? I agree. Hopefully. I do. I there's <laughs> just one one uh, release that caught my eye. Um, I, uh-huh. I saw the the magic seals of the seven angels. I just wanted to kind of like uh, devotional movements for sympath- synthesizers. Like, can you just tell me oh, yeah. about that? Like, I um, I don't like that one was.
2: Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, I I mean this is this is going to be I'm going to put on my nerd hat, but like I'm a huge yeah. uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion fan, and so when I saw uh, that, sure. it kind of like reminded you know this you know they the same symbology and, and and language and stuff, and I was wondering if that was definitely, connected. It's in the stew. Or, okay, cool,
2: cool. It's in the stew, yeah. I mean, I think you know that was that one was actually it was originally supposed to be for Leaving Records, um, and I thank God I kept sending them things and they kept taking too long to put them out. And I'd be like, well, I'm sick of this thing. I'm going to do something else. Uh-huh. And I did that a few times and ended up with, you know, the record I put out with them usually, which is like probably one of my more popular releases. Um, but uh, yeah, that was like, that was, that's, and a lot of that stuff too is early experiments with digital synthesis. Cause I had just gotten a MS 2000. Um, oh, cool. I saw Jeff Witcher, who was at that point performing as Renee Hell, was doing absolutely just like bonkers kind of experimental synth wave stuff with the with the MS-2000. So I went and got one and realized I could not do what he was doing. <laughs>
0: uh, I, <I've laughs> heard, I've there's a lot of that those. on
2: that one. And like, yeah, 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 yeah. Those are one, those
0: yeah, are we used yeah. one in my my pop punk band back in the day. Oh but, hell yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, my, my friend Seth has mine still. It's sort of like perma loaned. Um, and I'm sure I have something of his too. So, you know, it all works out in the end. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you made stuff, this album on uh, that. Coming out,
1: the...
2: I use that a lot. I think there's early okay. modular stuff, some Moog stuff. It's a real like grab bag. Cause I feel like that was sort of when I was like, in that kind of transitional period and figuring out what I was doing with synthesizers, um, before I had really kind of like nailed down the kind of, for lack of a better word, like ambient thing that has sort of become more of my trademark over the years. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the end. I mean, it's stuff coming up. There's nothing I can really talk about now. But I'm working on some cool exciting projects. There's going to be a record at some point by the, uh, the trio with me and Greg oh, cool. Fox and Graham McMurray.
0: Maybe um, I'll, maybe you guys could come yeah. on when that gets closer to release and we could, uh, we That'd could all great. have a round yeah. title.
2: Um, and I think we'll do that with House almost certainly. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, I've been, I'm working on some collab stuff right now with John Elliott. I'm really excited about that. Cause he's one of my favorite, you know, just one of my favorites for a long time. Um, And I mean, I love emeralds, but especially like the imaginary softwoods catalog is, I think like nobody is doing it better than John, you know, in that specific vibe, he just has the sound I want. So dialed in. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's fun to work on stuff with him and yeah. uh, Some cool stuff at the end of the year that um, maybe, maybe when I come back, I'll be able to talk about that then.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, now we, now we have it firmly like stamped into our intention (laughs) on our dream board. well, Ged, thank you so much. This was a this was a real pleasure. Um, you know, I thank like you.
2: I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I I love doing these shows. I love meeting new people, and it's all it's always like a little there's just an extra zing on it when we're close to the same age and have kind of a cl- close to the, you know, some similar stuff. So uh from the childhood. Yeah. So definitely. yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um so thanks for Thanks for letting me take up some of uh, your time here today on that.
2: Oh, I mean, my, 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 pleasure. It's uh, it's, it's, it's fun to get to talk about this stuff because, you know, my wife gets sick. No, <laughs> that's
0: why I started this show. <laughs> I'm not going to make
2: a wife, my, my wife joke, but it, it's, 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 no, I mean like really like I, it's, it's, you know, I feel like a jerk, but I do want to talk about it, but unless somebody mm-hmm. asks me, I'm like, well, I'm not going to, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah. 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 totally. But give me an excuse and I will just go on and right. On, you know, right.
0: Like, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah, actually, I think it's I got, cool
2: because it's just, yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, I got, I got to ask though, uh, one final question. Is there anything you want to shout from the modular mountaintops?
2: Anything I want to shout from the modular mountaintops? Yeah. Gear doesn't matter. that's that's it gear doesn't matter um musicians make music and they will make it with whatever they have in front of them
1: Mm -hmm. and if
2: you find yourself waiting to do something because you don't have something it's the worst reason in the world to not do something and in fact many of the best things i have ever done have been because i wanted to do something with a piece of gear i didn't have and so i figured out how to do it incorrectly with a piece of gear i didn't have
0: <laughs> yeah right yep i've done the same thing yep just you like lean into like, the limitations you know,
2: tools are great and having great tools is great and i would never tell anybody like you know that that's wrong but like i think that especially with synthesizers there is a um there's a fetishistic quality and a like you said the serial syndrome collector syndrome whatever like it's I just think, you know, whatever, look, if it keeps all these companies making this stuff because they can afford to totally. keep making right, it, right. Yeah,
1: then like, yeah. God
2: bless, go do your thing. But like, yeah, I think, you know, people, I'm speaking mostly to people who like, you know, not somebody who already has all this stuff, but if somebody thinking about getting into it, it's like, just make music and like, get stuff when you can and just finish things is the other thing. Just finish things. Put them out into
0: the, the world. It, yep.
2: It
1: hurts find a way to impose a deadline
0: <laughs> Like, if you need a deadline that's fine like i didn't i never yeah. played like live electronic shows uh because i was you know i'll book a show when i have a set and i never built a set so i, I just eventually was like i need to book a show because i'm never going to build a set so i booked a show before i had a set and then that's what i just kept
2: 100 yeah i will go weeks sometimes months without making music and then i'll get booked for a show and i'm like Oh shit. You right, know? yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then I and then I'll make a record because I was so excited about totally. it for the show, you know. So totally. Yes. That's Absolutely. yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you know, so yeah, give yourself the 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 compassion to like finish things and put them out into the world and like and just do the thing you want to do. There's uh-huh. there's literally nothing else to do but the thing you want to do. So. No, totally that's it
0: Well, thank you so much. Shouting man. that
2: from the mountaintops. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. Love it's A lot it. of fun.
0: All right, that's our show. Thank you so much to Ged for coming on the show. Thank you for coming back or welcome if it's your first time. Uh, Thank you to all the sponsors. After Later Audio, Patchworks, Novation, Flight of Harmony. Go get on that Kickstarter. Don't forget about the Discord. Send me your music, I wanna hear it. Uh, What else? I think this week's secret word is gonna be dinner triangle. Um, Is that a thing? I know there's dinner bells. Anyways. Uh yeah. I appreciate you. Until
1: next week.